I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rivals is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rivals, the show about music feuds and beefs and long-serving resentments between musicians. I'm Steve. And I'm Jordan. And today we're going to talk about the two greatest female rappers of the 2010s, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B. That's fair to Uh, say, right? Oh, absolutely. We don't really need another excuse to pit female artists against one another. There's sort of a minor through line to this one, and it was the race to be the first solo female rapper to hit number one since Lauryn Hill in 1998. And... For most of the 2010s, it really seemed like Nicki Minaj was poised to do it. She seemed to have it all locked up. Yeah, I mean, because for many years, Nicki Minaj, not only was she like one of the biggest female rappers around, like she was one of the biggest rappers, period. And then all of a sudden, a former exotic dancer, reality show star, and political science major <laughs> named Cardi B came along. And while you would think that these two could both coexist, they entered into a rivalry that would soon devolve into smack talking and shoe throwing. I can't believe that this is the first episode of our show involving throwing shoes. This I mean, is really this the is first true, one. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Truly historic episode here. So, Cardi B versus Nicki Minaj. Let's get into this mess. Now, I, like probably most people, first became aware of uh, Nicki Minaj listening to her verse on Monster, a uh, track from Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Incredible yeah. verse. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's one of the most famous verses of the 21st century. I mean, like, Nicki Minaj sounds possessed. <laughs> and, like, in a way, I almost feel like she steals that record, at least on that track. Oh, absolutely. I feel like she's doing, like, six characters. I, it, whenever whenever <laughs> I listen to it, I, I see, like, Linda Blair's head spinning or something. Like, it definitely, it, it's freaky to listen to. And, and I'm going to tip my hand early. I think Nicki Minaj is the far superior rapper, but... I also kind of feel like she never really lived up to the potential of that verse. Is that is that fair to say, you think? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, when you think about all the different accents that she does, she does remind me of like a great character actor. You know, mm. like the person that you're going to put into your movie and they're just going to dominate three or four scenes and and just be great. But like if you put that person as the star of the movie... It's some, a lot of times it doesn't work. You know, you want them to be more of like an added ingredient, not the main course, which I guess that's kind of a weird thing to say about the best-selling female <laughs> rapper of all time. I mean, she's obviously done very well commercially, but you're right. I think creatively speaking, like that monster verse is it's so indelible. And I feel like her solo catalog never really lived up to it. No, I mean, as you said, I mean, she's got some great songs. I mean, Your Love and Super Bass from uh, her, her first album, Pink Friday. Um, you know, the album went number one on Billboard. It did great, but like you said, I was I was definitely much more excited about her before she released her debut LP because I just I wanted to see, you know, what kind of like 
hip hop opera she would do with all these characters or something on her album. And it, it didn't really come across that way. I, I'm, it, it left me a little cold. But Nikki, as you said, playing the long game, best selling female hip hop artist ever. Whereas Cardi B just exploded. She just emerged on the hip hop scene with uh, her anthem Forever in uh, 2016. And she, uh, she got her start, probably most people first knew her as the uh, breakout star of Love and Hip Hop. I don't know. Are you a Love and Hip Hop fan, Steven? Yeah, I got to make a confession here. I've never seen the show Love and Hip Hop. And I have to confess that I'm a little confused about like how did Cardi B turn into like this pop superstar because she was on a VH1 reality show. Like I felt, I, I feel like you end up on a VH1 reality show at the downturn at the of your career. Yeah, like when you're Brett Michaels wearing <laughs> the bandana that like holds the wig on your head, you know? Like that is who I associate with VH1 reality shows, but like Cardi B, like that was her first springboard. Like how did that work? Uh, I actually used to work at VH1 when she first got hired, so we we, oh. we saw a lot of Cardi B, a lot of You were inside the Sausage Factory. Yes, exactly. And she was a a social media star, really. I mean, sort of the the outrageous Cardi B that you know and love with just, you know, all the crazy stuff she says that she was that on Snapchat and Instagram. And she parlayed that into uh, into getting a spot on this reality show. I mean, she's just custom made for this kind of thing. I mean, she... Everything that you see, she's so real. I mean, that's one thing you can't falter for is that all of the crazy stuff she says and just how outlandish she is. I mean, that that really is how she is when the cameras aren't even on, which is, you know, endearing. I think it's her authenticity is definitely very apparent. Um, yeah, It was absolutely. weird to watch, though, because I, you know, they would hire these people for Love & Hip Hop and... You know, they weren't made, for the most part, Stevie J and there were a few big producers on the show, but for the most part, they weren't major acts. K. Michelle was another, was probably the biggest one that was there at that point. And she released this song and you think, oh, that's cool. Like a reality star trying to make it in music. You know, you see this all the time. It wasn't really anything I paid much attention to. You're saying like Stevie J and, and was it K. Michelle? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's going way over my head with this. Okay, Michelle's got some good songs from the early 2010s. I definitely, some good pop stuff. I recommend checking her out. You're a K-Michelle uh, stan? Right, yes, I would say so. Yeah, I don't know if it's Standing like Stockholm. Standing up for K-Michelle, I like it. I don't know if it's like Stockholm Syndrome from working at VH1 for so long, but, but no, <laughs> she's she's worth it. But So when Cardi B comes on the scene, she releases some songs early on, mixtapes. I didn't pay much attention because I just, you know, it was a reality star trying to make it in music. It happens a dime a dozen, happens all the time. And then it just kept going and kept going. And got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was wild to watch. It was absolutely explosive. Yeah, I mean, you. Ha I remember that song, I Like It, that came out in, in 2018, which has been streamed on Spotify, I just checked, over a billion times. And I'm guessing on YouTube, it's, it's probably approaching that same number. And she was also on that terrible Maroon 5 song, Girls Like You, which I oh. hate that song. Oh. But it was an enormous song. And... And then, of course, she drops her debut album, Invasion of Privacy, which that just goes through the roof. Just a, a, a huge hit. It is. This is an insane stat. I don't want to give too many stats, but this was nuts. It's the first album by a female artist to have the entire track list certified gold or higher. The entire track list went gold or higher. Like, that, that's, that, that's insane. I mean... And we've yet to mention her her first number one hit, Bodak Yellow. That's the song oh, yeah. that uh, takes her to the top of the chart. She's the first female rapper since uh, Lauryn Hill in 1998 to do so. Uh, and that's really when she starts being mentioned in the same conversation as Nicki Minaj. I mean, when, when you hit yeah. the top of the charts like that, that's when you... I feel like when they make the period piece about like the late 2010s, like that will be one of the songs that they play. Right. Like that will be like the CCR of the 2010s. You're going to play Bodak <laughs> Yellow by, by Cardi B. I mean, I feel like Cardi B is like the great example of a pop star like of the last maybe five years or so who really seemed to blow up and come out of nowhere. Obviously, she had the love and hip-hop background, but it seems like like really with Bodak Yellow, after that, it just seemed like she was everywhere, you know? And she had the kind of success that goes beyond just having chart hits, you know? Because there's a lot of people that do well on the charts, they may even have number one hits, but like they don't become like huge celebrities. And I think with Cardi B, it was a combination of people loving her music, but also loving her story. Like she became the like go-to talk show guest, I feel like, after that song hit it big, just because she was such a colorful character. She had such a, a great background story. Yeah, she was really funny. She was smart. As I alluded to her before, she studied political science and government in college. So 
she could like talk with a lot of intelligence about politics going on. She ended up being like best friends with Bernie Sanders for a long time. That would have been a you running know? mate. I would have voted that ticket. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not too late. Let's, let's make that happen. Um, and it just seems like with Cardi B, you know, people love the music, but I think they loved her and I think they loved her up and comer underdog story. There's almost like an element of Rocky with her, you know, oh my like God. Yeah. The person who like comes out of nowhere and they win the championship belt. And it was just the kind of feel good story that I think people like to get behind. Unless you're Nicki Minaj. Right. Maybe she wasn't as big of a fan. And it's funny, too, because, like, there's a lot of debate about when this this feud sort of started. It's generally agreed upon that uh, fans saw what looked like Nicki Minaj liking a fan's Instagram comment where she dismissed Cardi B's rap verses as, quote, dumbass bars. <laughs> Uh, and, and Nicki Minaj apparently liked this. There were some fans who said, no, it could have been, you know, photoshopped or whatever. So so there's some debate about whether or not that actually happened. Uh, but what did 100% happen was that Cardi B performed at the uh, Hot 97 Festival in the uh, summer of 2017 uh, with Remy Ma, who was a um, who was Nicki Minaj's major foe at that point. And, uh, and, and she had released a song called uh, uh, Sheether, I believe it was called. And so yes. when you're sharing a stage with, with uh, Remy Ma, that, that doesn't really endear you to, uh, to Nicki Minaj much. Yeah, I, I just want to go back to this Instagram thing, like where she liked the post. And that was like, you know, it's like when that, what, that Archduke Ferdinand guy got shot. <laughs> and that was the beginning of World War I. You know, like that's, I think, it, wasn't it like Archduke Ferdinand? Yeah, or something Franz like that? Ferdinand, yeah, Philip Pusip, yeah. I think, shot him, yeah. Yeah, it, that was like this here. I, I just like to picture like Nicki Minaj's finger like over the like button it's and being like, Click. am I, am I going to start a war or not? And like, it just like staying suspended there for like what feels like an eternity. It was probably like a fraction of a second, but I just like to imagine it being this very dramatic decision. Like, am I going to start a war? Single yes, bead I of am. sweat going down her face. What's interesting to me about this too, and I, I feel like we're going to probably talk about this a lot in this episode, is that the way I've always interpreted this rivalry is Nicki Minaj feeling threatened that Cardi B was essentially like a, a different version of her and that this was someone coming along to take over her lane, essentially. And uh, which is kind of a sad thing because it really speaks to the sexism of the music industry that like if there's one lane. Couldn't, exactly. That you couldn't have like multiple female rappers who were doing really well in the charts. And really like you look at the music scene now, there actually are a lot of female rappers who are doing great. I feel like that's actually changed a lot ever since, you know, like 2017 isn't that long ago, but it seems like because of the success of, you know, first Nicki Minaj and then Cardi B, it really proved to the people that make these decisions that, well, you don't need to, to, to just have one female rapper. You can have lots of female rappers. And in a way, it seems like the most successful rappers now are all women. You know, but back then it was maybe more of a novelty. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also you would think that Nikki would kind of have a little more uh, sort of sympathy for the up-and-comer because she got treated, I, I, if I remember, sort of poorly by little Kim also. So she's been in, in, the, in the Cardi position before. And so, I mean... We'll get to this more later. So she did extend some some olive branches and and some footholds to Cardi, but yeah, you would have thought she would have maybe gone a little easy on her. I think some of the reason that maybe Nikki was feeling a little insecure was that she had actually backed away from music for a time, like 2015, 2016, after a breakup with Meek Mill, and so that was kind of the perfect time for Cardi to sort of come in too. So right. people were really expecting a lot from Nikki, having been away from a while, and now there's this new person on the scene that probably made things you know, a little, a little worse for Nikki. And then there's also the dimension too. And I, we're going to get to this in a second, but like it, it, the, the, there does seem to be like an authenticity argument too, in a way where I feel like Nikki has always pushed the idea that she's a real rapper and Cardi isn't. I feel like that ends up being a big narrative in this rivalry, which is an interesting wrinkle. 
Yeah, but the authenticity thing also cuts both ways, too, because I feel like most of Cardi's fans feel like she's always just her. I mean, they know her through social media. They know her through love and hip-hop. Totally. I feel like there's so much more of investment in her as a person, whereas Nicki Minaj always just felt like a cartoon. She had these, like, Lady Gaga-like outfits and all these characters. She would be Roman. She would do this British voice. She would... So, yeah, it's <laughs> funny. The, the word authenticity is really interesting in this feud, too. But we'll... Yeah, I... Can I just say, like, I love the Nikki accents? Right. I mean, she is, you know, I, I mentioned character actor comparison earlier. I mean, she's like the Meryl Streep of hip-hop. You oh know, God. like, she's done so many different accents, doing fake British accents. She's doing, like, you said, like, the exorcist a- accent. Um, she's incredible. Like, I, I really like that aspect of, of what she's doing. But you're right. Like, Cardi B does have that sort of personal authenticity, that feeling that she's always going to be herself no matter what, even if, like, people might smirch her sort of rapping skills like uh, the artistic authenticity is maybe another issue but i think before we dive into that we have to talk about um something that's i I feel like has caused a lot of problems in our society which is the katy perry song swish swish (laughs) Uh, i feel like this song has ruined many lives for various reasons but that ends up being another major flashpoint in this rivalry well absolutely katy perry the song that is really taking shots at taylor swift but she Gets Nicki Minaj in, who also has her own problems with Taylor Swift, but that's another episode. Uh, And Nicki raps a verse. She says, silly rap beefs, just get me more checks. My life is a movie. I'm never offset. Me and my amigos, no, not offset. Now, Ah. offset is a rapper in the hip-hop collective Migos, and he's also dating, and I believe at the moment, married to Cardi B. Yes. So, she's name-dropping Cardi B's man. Uh... Cardi, not good. Not good. Yeah, you don't. When you're already having a tenuous relationship, you really don't want to rap about the other person's partner. That's that's just not, you know, I don't know. I don't know much about hip-hop etiquette, but I know that much. And, and not to bring in, like, another episode that we just recently did, but it reminds me of the Noel and Liam Gallagher episode where uh, Liam was talking about Noel's kids. Yes. And uh, that's that's not good. Absolutely so, not. No. So we are now the first people to, to liken this rivalry to <laughs> Oasis. <laughs> We've now but made not a connection. The not the last. Not the people. last. No. Uh, Cardi's not happy about this. She goes on Instagram Live, and that's going to be that's going to be a fairly common uh, route for her to express her, <laughs> her her bile, her venom throughout this feud. Um, and she doesn't name names, but she basically talks about how you know what this is really tough. You know, when I was a a and these are her words, a regular bitch from the Bronx, a hood bitch. When somebody used to be fake to me, it was cool because I could approach a bitch and punch her right in the closure, which I, I imagine is is mouth. Um, now that she's in the industry, you can't just deck people like that. You've got to like, no. you got to be nice to them. And that, that's, that's tough. I mean, when you got a problem with somebody and you can't express it and you got to be fake nice for someone like Cardi B who isn't fake anything that that's got to be hard. So she talks about that. She goes on Twitter and she offers sort of a, a, a friendly reminder to everybody. Don't compare. Don't put me against no other artist. I am Cardi B and the only Cardi B in my own lane. And I'm rapping because I love to. Uh, many took this to be a, a obvious reference to the Nicki Minaj comparisons. But again, we have the reference to the lane. I'm in my own lane. And it, it, it seems so embedded in this thing. It's like they're fighting over what they feel like is a real estate of like pop music as if they couldn't just have their own piece of real estate. Right. I mean, it, it's really, it's incredible. And she she keeps going with this too. She performs at a uh, a summer festival uh, later that year, and she she doesn't mention Nikki's name, but she talks about you know the, there's this 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 bitch out there. She's never liked me, but now that I'm successful, she wants to talk to me and wants to be friends with me. And I'm just like, no, I I still don't like you. And so a lot of fans thought that was also directed at Nikki. There were some people who thought that was about a uh, a castmate, Jocelyn Hernandez on Love and Hip Hop. I'm gonna go with Nikki on that one. But, yeah, yeah, and. And yeah, it, it's also just much more, it's better for us if it's Nicki Minaj. So we'll just say it's Nicki Minaj. And by the way, I love hearing you read Cardi B quotes. <laughs> that, it fills my heart with so much joy to hear this. And we're going to hear more of that in this episode. Uh, it, it makes me so happy. But anyway, back to the, this escalating rivalry. Nicki Minaj decides to get into, into the fray on the song No Flag. Uh, which is by London on the track with 21 Savage and Offset, who, of course, as we've already discussed, is Cardi B's, I guess at the time, still boyfriend, but now is her husband. And uh, there's a line in that song where she says, I heard these labels are trying to make another me. Everything you're getting, little hoe, is because of me. 
Incredible line. Incredible line. Again, bringing, I I mean, that's explicitly like laying it out, what we've been talking about. This, This idea that there can only be one prominent female rapper. As we said, Nicki Minaj was a huge star in the early part of the 2010s. She stepped away for a couple years. Not really that long, but in pop music years, you know, a year or two can be an eternity, especially now. And in that time, it was that was enough of, a, of an opening for Cardi B to establish herself and to become famous. And and you can really hear the hostility in Nicki Minaj's voice here. And I I think ultimately insecurity. I mean, if you're if you're telling people that you know you're not going to take away from me what is mine, it probably means that you're afraid that someone's going to take away like what is yours. You know, I mean, I mean, doesn't that seem pretty transparent at this point with Nicki? Oh, yeah. And this this came out right after Cardi B signed this huge deal with Atlantic Records. So, I mean, it, the, the timing of it was definitely suspicious. Yeah. So Cardi weighed in on this and uh, she, I guess, goes on Twitter. By the way, I, I, I like all the Instagram Live stuff because I feel like the first time I heard about Instagram Live was from hip hop beefs, you know, like, <laughs> and, and I wonder to what degree Instagram was like funneling money into the hip hop wars in order to like make Instagram live more famous for people. Because I, I feel like that was great marketing for that brand. Uh, that's me putting my conspiracy hat on <laughs> with that. I don't want to say that this is not a real rivalry, but to me, that's very interesting that, uh, cause I feel like that helped really popularize that. Uh, but anyway, Cardi says, I don't bother with these hoes. Don't let those hoes bother me. Which, of course, are lyrics from the song Bodak Yellow. So she could just be quoting her song on Twitter. Maybe she's just like, hey, maybe people forgot about this song, so I'll tweet some lyrics out about it. <laughs> but because of the timing, people assume, I think probably correctly, that she is firing back at Nikki. And wasn't there a controversy here, too, that, like, did Cardi tell Nikki not to be on the song? Or, like, wasn't there some weirdness there because, like, you know, because of the offset connection? I think that I'm trying to remember now. I I believe that uh, Nikki's camp accused Cardi of of preventing Offset and Twenty One Savage from doing the video for the song. I think that was what it was because Offset, you know, dating Cardi and she just you know doesn't. That would be a bad look if for your your boyfriend to appear in a music video with your hip hop rival. That that's that's sort of like the first sign of of you losing the rivalry. I would say. Right, especially, like, when Nikki is calling you a hoe. Right. You know, because, yeah, it's not even just that this is, like, my rival. She's, like, running me down in this song. So, yeah, there's definitely a conflict there. So I mean, you really feel feel the heat escalating at this point. And that's what's so great about all these subliminal disses, too, is that a lot of them have explanations that could be perfectly innocent. Like you said, oh, yeah, that's a line from Bodak Yellow. You know, and that's right. what, what's so fun, like the multiple layers of these. And then you see that again on sort of Nikki's, what I'm, or sorry, Cardi's uh, comeback diss on a song called No Limit with G-Eazy, uh, which many felt was a dig at Nikki. Um, there's a great line, Cardi says, my career taken off, these hoes jogging in place, swear these hoes run they mouth, how these hoes out of shape. Can you stop with all the subs, subliminals? Bitch, I ain't Jared. So that's a a Subway Jared joke. Incredible line. Really great. Anytime you can run down Jared, you you got to seize the day with that. Jared, Jared Vogel, there is no more sort of, uh, you know, attractive or like deserving target than the Subway guy. So it's... Drag his ass. Drag Jared's ass. Any chance you get. All right, hang on. We'll be right back with more Rivals. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. 
You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So Cardi's obviously asked about this. People say, you know, is, is this at Nikki? And she denied it. And she, this becomes a recurring theme with her. She denies it by saying, this is a quote, Nikki ain't never fucked my man. This is her recurring line. I don't have time for feuding. If you're not fucking my man or if you're not taking money from me or stopping my money, then I don't really give a fuck about you. That, that is oh. her quote. I think that's the golden rule. Isn't it like, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a paraphrase that's golden what, rule. That's what, yeah, exactly. It's like, Hey, if you're not fucking my man, we're all good. You know, turn the other cheek, but really we don't believe that. Right. I mean, she was taking shots, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it, the music video comes out in December and a lot of Nicki Minaj's fans are tweeting saying, you know, this video looks, she looks a lot like Nicki Minaj in this. And Nicki couldn't resist chiming in on Twitter. And she writes, I'm glad you all peeped. I mean, I'm glad you all <laughs> caught that that she's she's biting my style. So that's happening, but it's so weird because you've got, like you said, there's like a lot of subliminal, a lot of subtweeting going on here. But then there's also kind of a facade that they're being friendly to each other because, you know, Cardi B ends up going to number one in September of 2017 with, with Bodak Yellow, becomes the first female MC to have a number one hit since Lauren Hill. As we talked about before, this was a milestone that many people assumed would have been achieved by Nicki Minaj, but now Cardi B has done it. And uh, Nick, Nicki Minaj actually sends her a note of congratulations. She says, congratulations to my fella, Nuyaka, <laughs> she says, Y-A-W-K-A, on a record-breaking achievement. This is the only thing that matters. Enjoy it. And uh, then Cardi says back and says, thank you, with two exclamation points. This means so much coming from you. Two more exclamation points. So you're like, oh, okay, they're this is they're all good, right? Like, you know, they're they're friends again. We've got multiple exclamation points that denotes extra enthusiasm. So bullshit. they're that's bullshit. Yeah, we know it's bullshit, but again, they're sort of there's this idea that they're going to be friends and they're going to work together. They end up together on the the Migo song Motorsports, which comes out in October 2017, and. uh how would you describe this? I mean, this is like two heavyweights squaring off against each other this is in like, the same room. Oh, yeah. I always thought this was like the female hip-hop equivalent of Heat, you know? <laughs> Pacino, right. De Niro, together. Cardi, right. Nicki, together. Like, you do what you got to do. I do what I got to do. <laughs> if I got to take you down, I'm not going to like it, Cardi B. <laughs> but, I mean, but if you're in my way... <laughs> Yeah, that's how, like I, like Heat. I thought this song would have been better. Heat's fine. Motorsports fine. I enjoy oh, them both. Thought it could have been oh. better given the star power. Motorsport is fine. Heat is incredible. But anyway, please <laughs> proceed. 
You know, first of all, I just want to say, I think Nicki Minaj dominated that track. She's got lines like, I don't work in no office, but they copy in, and that's facts, though. I ain't trying to be violent, but if Nicki's on it, it slaps ho. Get you lined for that paper like loose leaf when that strap blow. I'm with a couple bad bitches that'll rip the party. When you have a, a, a diss line that incorporates loose leaf paper, that's, that's <laughs> so good. Right. And I think this is another instance of like Nikki, like it's not her track. Like she's a guest on the track, but she's great. Like in her role, like she's busting in and she provides such a, like a jolt of energy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, like she's like Alec Baldwin and like Glengarry Glen oh Ross, like, you know, <laughs> comes in, gives one dynamite speech and you're like, holy shit, that guy's amazing. And, but you watch a lot of Alec Baldwin movies where he's the main guy. You're like, oh, okay, it's fine. You know, not as good as Glengarry Glen Ross. Um, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, like we were saying, there was there were these attempts, I think, to show the public that these two like didn't dislike each other. But people didn't really buy it. And there were a lot of rumors that like I think like people thought that Nicki Minaj actually conspired to keep like Cardi B off the track. And uh, she had to kind of come out and say, like, no, that's not true. Relax, breathe. Imagine me not knowing who's on a song with me. These are men in our culture who simply refuse to let it go. They don't do this to male MCs, which she's which right. True. I mean, yeah, exactly. There was this, it wasn't just coming from them, like, you know, this hostility be- between Nikki and Cardi. There was also in the culture, this idea of like, well, Cardi is kind of like Nikki, maybe in a broad way, because they're both women and they both have maybe a similar style uh, in the way that they rap and the way that they present themselves and their personas. But like, you know, we can only have one, so we have to pit them against each other. And I think she was right to call that out, even though at the same time it was true that there was actually tension. You know, it wasn't totally invented that they didn't like each other, but it was certainly exacerbated by how they were discussed uh, in the public. Right, and it gets it gets trickier in the interviews and the press surrounding the release of the song, too, because Cardi B gives an interview where she says that um, when she heard the track, Nicki's verse was different. And and Nikki reworked her verse later on after Cardi put hers on, which doesn't sound like much, but it's a hip hop courtesy, you know, that, that it was a courtesy that Cardi wasn't afforded. Nikki could go back after the fact and rework her verse to sort of make it better and play off of, of what Cardi was doing. But apparently um, the line that's heard on the final track is if Quavo the QB, I'm Nick Lombardi, you know, reference to the football coach Vince Lombardi. But it was originally if Cardi the QB... I'm Nick Lombardi. So it was a slight, what you could maybe kind of sort of call a diss to Cardi before Cardi herself was actually invited to be on the track, in which case her record label, Atlantic, insisted yeah. that, that Nikki change the line. So Nikki comes out and says, well, of course I, I changed my line. Your, your label told me to. I wasn't trying to, you know, come back after the fact and make mine better and show you up. Like your, your people told me to change this. And uh, Nikki, she gave this like really tearful interview where uh, I think it was Zane Lowe in April of 2018, where she's really hurt by this line, which is, you know, Cardi never says anything nice about me. And the only thing she ever says is like, I I do, you know, sneaky underhanded shit like that. And it it really hurt. They're trying to paint me like the bad person so that they can be the victim, Uh, which, you know. I thought that was a really rare moment of vulnerability for her, too. I mean, you actually watch the clip. I mean, she's really getting tearful, and she she feels like people are ganging up on her, which, you know, is maybe a look inside that really insecure person that you referenced earlier who feels like there's only room in the lane for, for her. Uh, and it, it gets worse when the video comes out, too. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I wonder, too, to what degree she felt maybe upstaged by Cardi at that point because it was mm. clear that Cardi was ascendant, and as we're going to discuss in a, in a minute here Nikki was on the downward trajectory at this point and like I think that really kind of comes to the fore when her next record comes out but I gotta say like I do think that's kind of a diss to say that she's like the coach and right. Cardi is like you know because again it kind of establishes this thing that we've been talking about that like Nikki and I think it's fair to say that she created a path that allowed Cardi and also like a lot of other female rappers to follow in her wake and of course Nikki wasn't the first successful female rapper but like because she was so big for a period of time i think it really did make it easier for other artists uh you know to follow her and it is a little bit of like okay i'm putting you in your place you know here by saying i'm the coach and you're like you know the 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 qb 
um, as they say in hip hop, as in football, you know, winning isn't everything. It's the only it's the thing. Only thing. <laughs> uh, it seems like Cardi was winning here. And I wonder, you know, if, if that was driving Nikki a little mad. Oh yeah. I mean, fans were really talking when the video came out and they weren't in any scenes together, oh, uh, yeah. which is that, you know, that's, that's, that's never good. That's never good. And I mean, Nikki claimed it was some timing conflict. She had a hairdresser appointment. That was, I, I believe what it was, which is, you know, I mean, that's up there with like, sorry, I can't go on a date with you. I have to wash my hair. Uh, it's really not that far removed from, from that. Kind of a lame excuse, but, uh, but there we go. That's, that's the official version is that she couldn't go because she had a, a, a hairdresser appointment prevented her from attending the taping when Cardi was taping. Well, and unfortunately, Nikki had bigger problems on her plate than just hairdresser issues because her, her record Queen comes out in August of 2018. It's her first record in, in four years coming after 2014's The Pink Print, which was a big hit. And I remember like Queen getting some like pretty good reviews. I think it got a 7.6 from Pitchfork at the time. But like commercially speaking, it was definitely a disappointment. And I, I think that there was one single, I can't remember, Chun-Li, I think it was called, was like a top 10 hit. But like you feel like that song, like a lot of songs that come from big ticket pop records, some singles are like are too big to fail. I feel right. like they kind of get that push because there's so much industry uh, momentum behind it, but there's not necessarily like a lot of popular excitement for it. And you, you could tell that Nikki was starting to feel like a little bit of flop sweat at this point maybe because she got into that feud with a blogger i, I forget what like the blogger did she write about queen or something I, I i don't remember like what made Nicki minaj mad but like it was one of those instances like where you have a very famous pop star who zooms in on like one writer and she like called her ugly and she said like you're jealous because i'm rich and famous and intelligent and uh this writer actually got fired from their job because like Nikki singled the blogger out and like all of Nikki's fans went after her. I mean, this is like one of the terrible things that has happened in social media in the last several years, like where pop stars weaponize their followers against like a journalist. Um, and I feel like this made Nicki Minaj look really bad. Oh yeah. She had a lot of image problems in this time. This is like, like late summer 2018 well because queen got to number two didn't hit number one it was kept from the top spot by travis scott and instead of just being like oh cool i have a number two album that's you know still pretty damn good she kind of took the uh the joe kennedy approach of second place is a loser and went in on travis scott and basically accused him of using his uh his girlfriend uh, uh kylie jenner of using her massive social media platform to to push for, I think there was some kind of like sales bundle where like Travis Scott was selling tickets in conjunction with the album and Kylie was like promoting it in the way that Kardashians promote all their stuff, which is to say very effectively. So Nikki's like dragging him very publicly complaining about why, you know, he's number one, but he shouldn't be because he's doing all these underhanded things. So, yeah. Which she, is not Harold, which, which is not warranted, I think. I mean, like the record that we're talking about, the Travis Scott record, Astroworld is like one of the most acclaimed and like popular rap records of, of the last couple of years. I, I think like for, you know, Zoomers and like young millennials, that's going to be as much of a touchdown as like Kanye records are for older millennials and Gen Xers. So, I mean, I don't think taking shots at Travis Scott, who was very popular and, and, and respected, was going to be a very good uh, method of attack for, for Nikki. No, absolutely not. And so, and so she's doing press for Queen and... All of the interviewers just want to ask her what the latest is with Cardi B. She goes on Ebro Darden. She goes on Colbert. And she kind of says the same thing over and over again, which is like, Cardi B's got a problem with me because I called her out for, you know, bitching about the whole verse switching thing. Uh, but you got to have a thick skin in this business. People talk shit about me all the time. And you don't see me, you know, being whiny about it. So she's got to grow up. She just says that again and again and again, a bunch of different interviews. And uh, Cardi's response is to go on Twitter and say that, I don't think she uses Nikki's name, but say that a, a very large artist blocked her and then fans took the hint <laughs> and, and did show that actually Nicki Minaj had blocked Cardi B. Which, man, you know, blocking someone on Twitter, I always feel like just mute her. Right. You know, like, because you, you don't when you be block caught. someone. Exactly. You don't want to give your enemy a screenshot, <laughs> you know, because the, like, your block screenshot, it just makes you look like you're small and oh. you can't take criticism. And look, I'll say, like, I think some people should be blocked on Twitter. I've blocked people 
because they're terrible people and they're annoying. But, you know, she must have known Nicki Minaj that that was going to get people out. People were going to figure this out. It's going to make her look small. Um, so this all leads to, I guess, the, the real meat of this rivalry, which is the shoe throwing incident. <laughs> and, um, you know, not to make light of it, because there was like some actual physical assault happening here. I mean, I mean, shoe throwing is very funny. I mean, yeah. shoe throwing is inherently comedic, but especially when it's like a big shoe, like a, like a stiletto <laughs> or something, you know, like that's a very funny shoe to be thrown also. Right. So it, it goes down at Fashion Week and uh, they're at this event. And like, were they at a concert? There's a Christina Aguilera performance. It was in the middle of Christina Aguilera, I believe, performing Genie in a Bottle. I, I think that's <laughs> true. So they're at this, this fancy New York Harper's Bazaar icons party. Yeah, second and, balcony. Right. And they're coming together, and I guess witnesses are like, oh, my God, they might hug it out. Like, people right. are watching, like, waiting to see what's going to happen, and they, they don't yeah, hug it out. Yeah, they're so close to each other. Like, oh, yeah, they obviously love each other, but in fact, it's a scrum, essentially. <laughs> and uh, I guess what really made Cardi mad was that Nikki apparently made a comment about her daughter. Yes. And, oof. Oof. and I mean, do we know what she said exactly? I don't know the exact words. I think it was something to the effect of like, you are not a good mother and not you know, uh, provide, you know, some, it was, it was questioning her motherhood, which is not good. Not good. Yeah. That that's going for the tenderest part of anyone's yeah. heart there. So Cardi starts screaming at Nikki. She says, bitch, you feisty <laughs> bitch. Don't talk shit about my daughter culture. And you know, don't talk shit about my child. And like, they, they start going at it. And like, what happens is, is that, Nicki Minaj apparently has nine bodyguards. Yes. And Cardi only has two. So like Do the math. Car- yeah. So so Cardi is trying to break through this phalanx of like bodyguards and can't do it. So that is when the shoe comes off and she throws it. And does she hit Nikki or was it a, was it missed? I think it it was I think it missed. And I know I know she got okay. elbowed. I know Cardi got elbowed by someone. Did she get hit too by the, the that dude from uh, Love and Hip Hop? Uh, oh, Ra Ali, Ra- yeah, Ra Ali Ra- punched Ali. Cardi. Yes, Uh scoundrel. <laughs> and like, why why was he there? Like, why is he punching Cardi? Uh, she was, I, I think, just a friend of in Nikki's entourage, I believe. And uh, and Nikki goes on her radio show later and says that that Ra was actually the one who really did a lot of the the SmackDown. Like, there's pictures of Cardi leaving the venue later that night with like. Her dress ripped. She's barefoot because she's thrown her shoe, and she's got this big shiner on like her forehead. It, it's uh, it, it's not good. It's not one of the finer moments in, I'm sure, any of their lives. Yeah, I and again to do a callback to another episode. I, I it's amazing to me that like Axl Rose had like so many almost fights, like where he would challenge <laughs> people to fights and they never happened. But like Cardi B did get into a scrap. You know that just shows how much of a real one Cardi is, you know? She lives it like she talks it. That's why people love her. So she leaves this. Oh, I will say, she, she she did not sneak out the back way. She's got, you know, her, her, her dress is ripped, her butt is out. She's got a big, like, <laughs> bruise on her forehead. And she takes it, she walks out, you know, proud. I'm imagining, like, Hester Prynne with the A on her. Like She, like, owns it. And, good for which, her. Which, yeah, good for her. And then Nikki leaves later, and she's blowing kisses to fans. You know, I mean, it's so. I, I will say, both of them, they really did embrace. You know, they didn't shy away and go out the back door. They owned the spotlight that night. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely like pro wrestling too. At this point, there's right. a little bit of an element of that. Although, again, like Cardi was hit by a guy. I don't like that. That's awful. Like, I don't understand why that guy felt entitled to to push this woman or to punch this woman. I don't think that was necessary, even though she threw the shoe. But Cardi leaves, and she goes to Instagram, of course, and she writes a scathing post. And again, she doesn't name Nikki, right? I mean, she doesn't. Does she say Nikki's name? No, in the no, post, I don't think so. No, it's a, it's another one of those subtweets where everyone knows who she's talking about, and she basically just says, like, like you know, look, you know, you, you've been talking shit about me for a long time. Don't talk about my kid. You know, the kids are off limits. And uh, and don't talk about like what kind of mother I am, you know that that that's crossing the line, which is true. And, which is true, and, she, and you know, and she's mad, and she's going after her. And as for Nicki Minaj, I guess she was in a position to press charges. It's it's weird to me that Nicki, 
I'm sorry. It, it's weird to me that Cardi wasn't in a position to press charges. Is the idea that it was like self-defense? I that think she got so. Punched. It, there was officially. There's two stories about how Nikki got or how Cardi got punched. It was either Nikki's security people or it was Ra Ali who was sort of coming to uh, Nikki's defense. So yeah, it, it's unclear. But but it's definitely what is clear is that Cardi seems to have struck first with the whole shoe thing. So yeah, I think that uh, Nikki was in a in a position to press assault charges and she didn't. So it ends here, right? There's no more. <laughs> they, they decided that they had gone too far and they decided to make up, right? Is that what happened? Or does Nicki Minaj decide to perpetuate this? Uh, Nicki Minaj pours uh, some gasoline and some diesel onto the fire at this point. She goes on her her radio show, Queen Radio, and drags Cardi for the entire episode uh, she says, the other night I was part of something so mortifying and humiliating to go through. She says, watching fellow guests pass by, looking at this disgusting commotion, I was mortified. I could not believe how humiliating it all felt because how we made ourselves look. And then she goes, she actually has some pretty good evidence here. She plays a 2017 uh, interview Cardi B gave to The Fader where she talks about how in fights, kids are fine. You can, you can reference kids. Kids are on limits. That's perfectly fine ammunition. And so Nikki basically cites this as like, well, you know what? Like, she said it was fine. I was just calling things like I see them. Uh, and you know what? She's built her career off of sympathy and payola, which is, <laughs> right. oh, oh. Do you know what it's like to sit in your room for hours writing raps, Nikki says? You came into my fucking culture. I never had to fuck a DJ to play right. my songs. Right. I was going to say, like, she mentions the payola thing, but then it's also, like, accusing her of, like, using her body or using sex in order to further her career, which is the lowest thing that you can accuse a person of doing. Uh, and it seems like it, it's also playing into the sexism again of the music industry yeah. that like the only way that a woman can get to the top is by sleeping her way to the top. So that's like a little disappointing, but again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where like that seemed to be like a wedge issue that Nicki Minaj tried to use against Cardi B, the, the artistic authenticity uh, argument that like I'm a real rapper and you're not and the only way the only reason why you are where you are is because you're on a reality show and that you somehow cheated the system to become popular and Cardi has a pretty good comeback she goes on Instagram and posts the uh, sales stats for that year and her album Invasion of Privacy is I think the number three best-selling hip-hop album behind Drake's Scorpion which is you know a monster and Post Malone's Beer Bongs and Bentley's and she says, you know what? In two years ago, I had no label, no radio play. I was fresh out of loving hip hop. You know, not a lot of money in my bank account, my first tour. And, you know, now I'm number three highest grossing or highest selling hip hop artist in the world right now. And, you know, where are you on this list? So, you know, touche. So after this, I mean, things start to get really petty. I feel it's so like bad. after this, where one of my favorite uh acts of pettiness in this rivalry is that Cardi B came out in support of Cynthia Nixon in the New York <laughs> gubernatorial election. So then Nicki Minaj decides to come out and support Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> like just to spite Cardi B, who, as we said before, you know, studied political science in college. She's like really interested in reading about American history and government. I feel like she's actually been pretty active in politics much more than I remember Nicki Minaj being. I don't really remember her being all that interested in politics. It really seemed like sort of a screw you there. Although I guess if you want to just look at the pure numbers, Nicki Minaj did that did win that part of the rivalry because Andrew Cuomo yes. did win the election and Cynthia Nixon uh, did not. Wasn't there a thing too, like where uh, like like Nikki like screwed with like one of Cardi B's singles too. Like she like maybe tried to leak it or something. Oh, like, what was that story? That was, oh, that was really bad. So Cardi B releases her single money early because and she, she accuses Nicki Minaj fans of leaking it. And she, she goes on Instagram live and says, you know, we, we tried to retract it, but you know, the barbs, they're always posting me. They post everything I do. They claim they hate me, but they really love me because they're on my page before my fans. So she puts out her single early. And then uh, Cardi B's sister, Hennessy, uh, claims that uh, Nicki Minaj's fans basically doxed her and shared her, uh, her private phone number. And she shared uh, screenshots of 
Cardi's phone of all these like, you know, obscene texts from Nicki Minaj fans, like calling her all sorts of names and threatening her her infant daughter and all sorts of terrible stuff. Uh, Nicki, of course, denies it by, in the most Nicki way possible by saying, bitch, what type of bird shit are you on? <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah, and like, it, again, this is all really... This is really intense in like I guess the fall of two of of twenty eighteen. Like this is where like a lot of this is going on. Like in October, Cardi goes to Instagram again and she's denying all the charges that Nicki Minaj has have leveled against her. She denies the payola accusations. You know, she says that she wasn't actually beaten up all that bad by Ra Ali at that Fashion Week show. You know, a month earlier, she goes back to the No Limits story. You know about you know Cardi B is supposedly keeping Nicki out of the music video. All this stuff, just rehashing it, and it really feels like it's starting to get tiresome. I mean, like, Nikki, of course, has to respond to Cardi at this point, and she says that she wants Cardi to take a lie detector test with her on her radio show where they could, where she can ask her, like, do you write your own lyrics, you know, and all this other stuff. It's, I mean, it's really nasty at this point, and it feels like it's time maybe to bring it to a close. Right, Nikki, I mean, at this point, she's tired. I mean, Cardi B posted like eight, nine minutes of Instagram live videos, like categorically listing all of her problems with Nikki and refuting all of Nikki's points. I mean, it was just getting exhausting. So Cardi goes on Twitter and says, okay, you guys, let's focus on positive things only from here on out. We're all so blessed. I know this stuff is entertaining and funny to a lot of people, but I won't be discussing this nonsense anymore. Thank you for the support and encouragement year after year. Love you. And Cardi B agrees. She uh, screenshots the tweet and posts it on Instagram and writes, all right, Nicki Minaj, let's keep it positive and keep pushing. And that holds, I guess, for about, what, like nine months or so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good, a good the run ceasefire. There. A good run. Uh, and there's another skirmish, though, that erupts. I guess it's in August of 2019 when Nicki Minaj is on Joe Button's podcast. And uh, somehow they end up talking about Cardi B and all the motorsport drama that happened. And Nicki Minaj says, uh, she basically talks about like how she came up in the industry and she says, you know, when, when it was my time, there was no Instagram, no reality shows, no sucking DJ's dicks. Um, I would argue that was still going on when Nicki came up. <laughs> not, not, right. not that she was doing it, but I just want to say that was probably a thing that existed. I don't know. Yeah. Sad to say that that sort of exploitation has been around uh, from the beginning of the music industry. Again, does not mention Cardi B by name, but it's it's pretty obvious that she's not uh, talking about like who she's not talking about Chris Martin of Coldplay or something. I mean, it's pretty clear <laughs> who she's talking about when she says that. Right. So yeah, it's Cardi surprisingly doesn't take the bait. She waits a few months. It's the end of the year. It's right before Christmas. She uh, she posts on social media. I don't want to end this year on bad terms with anyone, and then in all caps apologize to me. I'm ready to forgive you. And Nikki does not apologize. Uh, I do not believe so. No. No, there's no apology. But so it's it's like a hanging request for an apology that maybe by the time this episode goes up, it will have been resolved or maybe Nikki Minaj will be going back on a podcast somewhere and take another shot at Cardi B. Who knows? I feel like this rivalry isn't resolved it feels like it kind of ran out of gas a little bit, but it could spark up maybe again at any moment. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely ready for this for a rematch. The other shoe will drop. We're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor before we get to more rivals. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you 
sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. So this is the part of the episode where we talk about pro sides for each person in the rivalry. And, you know, we've talked about Nicki Minaj in this episode about her ability as a rapper. And I had made the comparison earlier, comparing her to a character actor in a film that uh, she's someone that can come onto a track and take it over and give just an incredible burst of energy. And sometimes that hasn't always translated to her solo career, but in terms of her success, you really can't dispute her career. She is, like we said, the best-selling female rapper of all time. And I mean, I think it's fair to say that without Nicki Minaj having all that success, that it would have probably been a lot harder for Cardi B and all the other recent great, wonderful female MCs that have risen to prominence in recent years. It'd be harder for them to do what they're doing if Nicki hadn't blazed the trail earlier in the 2010s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think she's she's our generation's little Kim, you know? I mean, I, I, I think that her artistry as an MC is really unrivaled. I mean, her, her crazy, weird sort of avant-garde style, the alter egos you mentioned, her, her wordplay, just her, her animated flow. I mean, if she did nothing else but that monster verse, I think that her place in hip-hop history would be, you know, assured. I mean, that, that verse is just, I think everything that she does so incredibly well, uh, incredible talent and also i mean the commercial stats like you said best-selling female uh hip-hop artist ever she uh she broke aretha franklin's record she has more entries in the hot 100 than any other female artist in history that's an incredible right? stat yeah it really speaks to like how uh i mean just how ubiquitous she was at one time i think in pop music generally and you know i i think again like the the, the biggest compliment that you can pay any singer or any rapper is is there another person like them that has a voice like them? Um, and with Nicki Minaj, I don't, I don't think you can say that. No. I mean, I think that she's a true original, and you hear her on a track, and you know who she is instantly. Um, so that is definitely a very strong case for her. I think when we go to the Cardi B side, I feel like ultimately she is maybe the better character. She's the person that, um, aside from her music, which, you know, is some of the most like infectious and enjoyable pop music that's been made in the last you know few years. But she's also a person that like when you see her on a talk show or you see her on Instagram Live or wherever it is, she's really funny and engaging and surprising and real. You know, she seems like a person who's always herself. And I think that more than anything else is what has endeared people to her and has really facilitated her rise in the last you know three or four years. You know, people like Cardi B, and they want her to be successful. So they hear a song like Bodag Yellow, they really enjoy it, but they also cheer on the backstory, the Rocky story that we were talking about. I mean, I like Nicki Minaj. I, I, I like her persona, but I think it's fair to say that more people probably find Cardi B to be more likable. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's she's the American dream. You know, she's the scrappy underdog made good. I mean, she 
She had this great quote in an interview with The Guardian. She said, everybody has a me inside them. That loud girl that just wants to go, hey, no matter if you're a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, it comes out. And I think that's that's a really self-aware and a beautiful way to put it, too. I mean, people love her. I think the secret to her success is her personality. She's so unapologetically herself, so unvarnished, which is, you know, just so crazy and wild at times. But you're right. And it's hilarious. It's so entertaining to watch. But there is a lot of substance there, too. Yeah, I, I think that really, because Nikki would always try to poke holes in her artistry by saying, you know, you, you got a ghostwriter, you don't write your own bars. And Cardi was, is pretty open about saying, like, yeah, I, I ask your favorite hip-hop artists about their ghostwriter. Everybody does. I think that she's so good at not only picking songs that reflect, you know, who she is and what her image is, but also just imbuing her own meaning into all those lines and just making every single line just sounds like it comes from her. You know, I, I think that's really her gift is that really just making all those lines her own. Yeah, I think that it's a personality thing. I think people really like her more because, like you said, Nicki Minaj comes across as kind of petty, especially the last couple years, too. And and at least at this point, maybe because it's earlier in her career, I don't think Cardi has had any of those, like, serious fall from grace moments, although she has does have that court case. Uh, so I guess there's that. But for the most part, people still really love Cardi B as a person. I think when we look at Cardi B and Nicki Minaj together, first of all, I think we can both say that this is like one of the more entertaining rivalries like of the early 21st century. Like there's a lot of material here, <laughs> a lot of funny things that happened, a lot of crazy things that happened. And that's because I think there's genuine dislike here. You know, no matter my theory about Instagram Live funneling money into the hip hop wars in order to further their brand, which I'm not, I'm going to go on a dry erase board and, and create all the lines and, and, and show how that, how that conspiracy works. But no, I do think that there's genuine dislike here, but I think there's also sort of like a weird music industry driven insecurity implanted into Nicki Minaj that she had to feel threatened by Cardi B because there was only room for like one person like her. And it seems like for a long time that that was part of like what was fueling her anger towards Cardi B, this idea that like she's taken a spot that I used to have and I deserve it more than her. And what we've seen, fortunately, in the last you know few years is that that's really been disproven, that we have multiple female MCs who are very successful. And you don't need just like one person occupying that lane. You get multiple people in that lane and, and the public's going to buy it up because they love it. So I think that aspect of it is maybe the the broader issue here with these two. Um, just the replacement factor. I call it the Highlander problem. The, there can be only one. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Or like all about Eve, like that old, right. you know, 50s movie about like how you have the established star and then like the young ingenue comes along and pushes the established star aside. And like that'd be Cardi B in this situation. And Nikki would be, I guess, the Betty Davis uh, in this scenario. And it's it's sad that that was the feeling at that time. And, and, and there was probably a lot of truth to that. There was probably a good reason why she felt that way. And it's just sad that that was the reality at the time. Right. And now, like you said, though, Megan Thee Stallion, Doja Cat, Lizzo, I feel like the, the, the charts have really just been taken over by female MCs in the last 18 months, two years. And that's a wonderful thing. I think, didn't Nikki do a song with Megan Thee Stallion? Yeah, absolutely. So, and maybe Nikki's seeing that too. And, and hopefully, Nikki can feel a measure of pride mm. with that. That like she helped to invent that part of pop music, or at least popularize it, um, because it does seem like a lot of other people looked at her as a blueprint or a pink print, <laughs> if you will, and they were able to establish their own voices and careers. Well, Stephen, I want you to know if anyone ever comes at you with a stiletto, I will come out elbows ablazing. To defend you. I hope you know that. Thank you, man. You and my other eight bodyguards <laughs> will defend me. I, I, I'm so appreciative of that, Jordan. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rivals. We'll be back with more beefs and feuds and long-simmering resentments next week. Rivals is a production of iHeartRadio. The executive producers are Sean Titone and Noel Brown. The supervising producers are Taylor Shacoin and Tristan McNeil. The producer is Joel Hatstadt. I'm Jordan Runtog. And I'm Stephen Hyden. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tail. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. Mm-hmm. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.